my advice is to get a financial plan. For the older physician who is nearing retirement, I think now what I would recommend is to sort of, again, seek introspection with their partner if they have one and go back to what's really important to them in their life, what really makes them happy. What are some words of wisdom you have for, for younger doctors right now currently experiencing probably the first market downturn in their investing lives? You are listening to the Financial Clarity for Doctors podcast by Finity Group LLC, where we discuss the pertinent financial planning topics facing physicians and other medical professionals. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Inc., a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA SIPC. And now, here are your hosts, Rochelle Vanderzanden and Corey Janoff. Welcome, everybody, to Financial Clarity for Doctors. I'm Corey Janoff, joined as always by Rochelle Vanderzanden. I'm here and- too. We've got a special guest joining us today. I'll introduce him in a moment. But right now we're recording this on March 27th. We're in week number two of our work from home mandate. So we're definitely in a different setup and environment. Uh, Don't be surprised if a kid or two runs into the screen um, if you're watching on video here or you hear someone screaming on audio. But uh, it's a a new normal for us. Um, By the time you actually hear this, you know, who knows if we'll be back to, to a normal routine by then. Uh, doubt it. We'll try and get this out in the next couple weeks or so. But um, but yeah, you know, today we've got a special guest, uh, Dr. Aaron Lewis. He's a, an anesthesiologist in the Detroit, Michigan area. He also has completed all the coursework and passed the exam for the Certified Financial Planner, the CFP uh, certification requirements. And he runs a website, moneynerdmd.com, where, uh, he, and he offers consultations for physicians to help them, you know, get started on the right track towards their goals of financial independence. So welcome, Aaron. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Corey and Rochelle. Glad to be here. You holding up okay? I know it's kind of crazy yeah. time. <laughs> uh, it's crazy. Um, I'm at home. I'm getting ready to go in on Monday to a near apocalyptic scenario. I believe we're almost out of ventilators. Our hospital at capacity. Our uh, PACU is turned into an ICU. Um, our operating room ventilators have been now pulled out of the operating rooms and used in part or in whole for ICU intubations. And I wish I had better news. I hope we're peaking soon, right? But it's all hands Absolutely. on deck at this point. Yeah, hopefully by the time we publish this, we're even, you know, on the downturn. Correct. Yep. (laughs) So I know today we wanted to talk a little bit about you and about like how everything is affecting the stock market and all of that kind of stuff. But before we start asking you a whole bunch of questions, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and for the listeners that maybe aren't familiar with you? Sure, I'd be glad to. So uh, I'm an anesthesiologist. Uh, I work in Metro Detroit, Michigan. I'm about 10 years out of residency, and I tell you that because that sort of is pertinent to my journey in finance. And so when I was finishing my residency, like most residents listening, you will get a lecture called um, Finance for Beginners or the basics of finance in one hour. Now, of course, it's impossible to teach that in one hour. It is you know, hilarious to think that you can come up with anything more than just a list of questions. 
from a lecture like that. But of course, we all get them. And my journey starts in that lecture where I realized that um, I had no clue. I, re I didn't know what a 401k was. Uh, I had no financial literacy at all, but I knew I needed to learn it. And so uh, I started reading, started reading on my own and found I liked the material and have read every day about it from then until now. Um, several years ago, I found that I would start to give advice and realized that I really shouldn't be and would qualify my advice with, but I'm not an expert, please, you know, please do your own due diligence. And so I started to search out any financial credentials that that I could get while still working. One of them was the CFP. I believe it to be the highest standard in the land. And so it seemed to be achievable. So I went after it. Now, I, I say it's a really good thing that I paid my tuition before I started studying it, because once I realized what would be entailed, uh, I was really intimidated. It's a lot of material. But you already but made I, the I already made the investment, yeah. So so I kept studying it, and I liked it and finished it, and then took the exam and passed the exam in July, and then created Money Nerd. So here I am. There we That's go. Awesome. So, I mean, you've seen over the last decade or so between you being a complete novice in finances to where you're at today, how do you feel? And I feel like there's a lot of online materials that are useful for physicians now when it comes to financial education. How do you feel physicians fare when it comes to financial literacy today compared to maybe when you were first getting started in your career as an anesthesiologist? So 10 years ago, if there was material uh, like there is today, I wasn't aware of it. Today there are blogs and podcasts and 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 all sorts of material for physicians who are out looking for it. Now, most of it is written by physicians who um, don't have any credentials, but the material is good. Truthfully, I think I kind of envy them because I think these physicians who have part-time gigs doing blogs and podcasts about finance, I think they probably looked at the CFP just like I did. And maybe I'm the fool who actually went through all that torture of getting it. And they just said, <laughs> to hell with it. I'm going to start writing a blog and they're very successful at it. But the material is out there. And so um, there's a movement to scale back medicine, uh, work less, find a side gig, and that's all fine. But 10 years ago, I believe that that was not out there, even if it was. So I was looking at, um, I was going straight to Schwab and Vanguard and Fidelity just to read about what an ETF was. So certainly for motivated uh, physicians who want to learn about finance, the material is out there. Now, I will say that there's still a discrepancy. On one, on one hand, you have sort of um, bloggers, let's say, who have a lot of good information out there. And then on the other hand, you have what's always been there, right? Formal um, financial planners and, and um, investing houses and sort of the, the people that physicians are intimidated to talk with in the first place. So somewhere in the middle um, is where I see a chasm where the person who reads a blog and learns about some financial subject still is a huge leap to then being confident enough to engage with a financial professional. Remember that physicians are intimidated by financial professionals because they don't speak the language. They know they don't speak the language. They're scared they're going to look dumb. They're scared they're going to ask a dumb question, and they're scared of being taken advantage of. And so the huge chasm is where I felt that I could serve with Money Nerd is to bridge the gap, is to almost handhold, be a guide 
to bring people over to services that they want. So we help them figure out what services they want, what they don't, and what they want get sort of safely. And so that's where I feel, and I still feel there's this huge gap there for physicians. We talk to residents and fellows and, and people who are not very far along in their career quite frequently. And the assumption is that they don't know a ton about their finances, but I still feel like sometimes I catch myself talking about things that I shouldn't expect them to understand. So even knowing that they might not have that financial literacy, I still get a little bit ahead of myself. So it's, it's good to have that reminder from someone who's been there to just make sure that you're starting with basics and that everyone's on the same page. Cause I think that's a huge, I think you're right. Yeah. And so here's another way to think of it. Every person that you're talking to where, where you're thinking, Oh, I'm, I'm using terms that they don't understand. Understand that those medical students go to go through medical school and are taught the exact same thing that when you're speaking to a patient and you're using terms that are second nature to you, you have to understand that they have no idea what you're talking about. And so th th they are on the other side of that every day using language that um, that is second nature to them, but that the person listening doesn't understand. And so they're, they're also subject to that. Mm -hmm. Okay. What do you think, like, how, how do you point people to resources? Like, is there anything in particular that you really encourage people to read or to start with? Like, what is that like ground zero for people as far as you're concerned? So that's, that's kind of the deliverable of, of Money Nerd is that once I get to know the, the person, what makes them tick, what their priorities are, what they want, what they think they want to do it themselves, right? what they don't, then I can guide them. So I have a long list of, of resources that I vetted. Um, and some of them are very simple. Some of them are just links to, to posts or, or to, to sources where the information is written in a way, just like you said, which is digestible. Um, and so for me, it depends. It depends on what comes from the interaction with the client uh, as to what I think they should read or who they should talk to or where they want to go with it. Again, some of them, some of them come out of the experience saying, yep, all right, I am certain I want to do all this on my own. And then some of them are saying, well, I thought I wanted to do it on my own, but but maybe I maybe I won't help. Maybe I just want to um, use my time with my family. And so it, it depends. It just depends. Mm -hmm. That's our favorite answer to every question. It depends. <laughs> so what are some so of that, the, oh, go ahead. Yeah. As I say, what are some of the tools or resources or maybe reading material that you feel have helped you the most get organized and feel comfortable with your own finances? Well, so I'm the epitome of a, of a do-it-yourselfer to a fault, right? And that's part of the reason that I'm trying to intervene with other physicians who uh, you think you're a do-it-yourselfer, and you might be, but you really got to give it some thought. And so um, the resources that I use, obviously the CFP curriculum was was hugely influential and that came like if i've been on a 10-year journey the cfp curriculum came in year eight so it was late it was a late edition but it was definitely the most valuable to really crystallize um what i needed to do my own financial going my own financial journey mm -hmm. um there's a certified financial planner his name's justin harvey who has been very influential in anesthesia and pain circles very knowledgeable giving of his uh information and help. Um, and so I found him to be very valuable. White Coat Investor has a lot of material he's put out there in the world. 
I think oftentimes he views everybody by default as a do-it-yourselfer. And when I'm in front of people in a room, I ask them all to, they've all heard of his book and they want to know whether I think they should read it. And it's full of great material, no doubt about it. But I tell them all that, you know, I recite the title of, of, of one of his books, which is, you know, fire your financial advisor. And then I say, okay, so that's the advice today. Fire your financial advisor, dot, 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 and do everything on your own. How does that make you feel? And they all put up their hand and say, it makes them feel anxiety, tremendous anxiety. So that advice of fire financial advisor is good for some people, but not everybody. And it's a bit, uh, it's a bit misleading from a position of authority to tell people what they should and shouldn't do. If I don't know you, I shouldn't be telling you who to fire and who to hire, right? Again, this is one of the reasons why I created Money Nerd is to help someone figure out on their own. Physicians are smart. And if they're willing to be introspective, they can find out on their own who they should fire and who they shouldn't fire. Yeah. I think he's even admitted, like the white coat investor on blog posts, that he he's trying to be provocative. Like he doesn't necessarily think everyone should file their financial advisor, but he gets a lot of traffic by titling things that way. And yeah. He's 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 been very successful. And again, yeah. <laughs> he has he has a wealth of material. Uh, mm -hmm. which is which is very valuable. And so Absolutely. that wasn't there. I think he started in 2011 or 2012. So in 2010, it wasn't there for me to read, or I certainly would have probably read everything that he right. put together. Yeah. What are some of the most important things that you think doctors should do to try to achieve their long-term goals? And obviously, this has to be a very general list, and it won't be mm -hmm. applicable for everybody. But what have you seen that works well? I would say my advice is to get a financial plan. Now, mm -hmm. what does that mean? Or not what does that mean, but how do they get it? There are do-it-yourself tools. Go nuts. If you want to start to dabble, um, it's easy. Just Google it. There are lots of resources where you can start to chip away at what looks like a financial plan. You can do it on your own. You can do it with help. You can hire a financial planner on an hourly basis to get a financial plan done, or you can embrace the benefits of a full court press financial planner in your life. It's up to you how you want to get it done, but get it done. Doing a financial plan, whether with help, or I will say with good help, with good financial planners or on your own, essentially asks you to do some soul searching, discover your priorities, discover your goals, and, and, and then intertwine how money makes those work. Um, that's sort of the basis for a good financial plan is soul searching, right? And yeah. so, that is essential for anyone to get their financial priorities in order. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the things that I harp on a lot in, um, I guess, in our episodes and also the blog posts that we write is just, what are your goals? What's important to you? Because that's going to ultimately guide all of your decisions. Right. And that's and that's that's financial planning done right, is when the person's own priorities and goals are, take center stage. Yep. What are some words of wisdom you have for for younger doctors right now, currently experiencing probably the first market downturn in their investing lives? So, understandably, they're feeling terror, and uh, it may it may sound insensitive, but I would love to be them. Why would I say that? Uh -huh. Because they have the thing that I don't have. Being ten years older, I can never buy it. I can never get it. No investing skill can replicate it, and that's time. 
So for the young investor who is terrified, understand that they have the single greatest commodity in their grasp that they will never get more of, and that's time. So again, to get deeper into that, we go back to a financial plan, which involves what to do uh, in moments of crises like this emotionally, which is to feel the emotion but not act on it, and continue the plan. Stick with the strategy. I like it. Again, I, it's first, probably... You have to have a strategy. <laughs> right, you have to have one. And it's worth saying that uh, a good plan prepares for moments like this because uh, you would have had a discussion internally or with, or with an advisor that said, when times get tough, we're going to do this. Or if my portfolio loses 50% of its value, I'm going to do this. Understanding that it's normal to feel terror. Completely normal. You should feel it. I feel it. But I've done enough personal prep work because I'm a finance nerd and I think about it all day that I knew that I was going to feel the way I feel when my portfolio lost 35%, which it just did. So I'm prepared mentally, which means I do the most important thing, which is nothing. And by that, I mean, I don't do anything rash, right? Because I was prepared. So that's important. And I guess that kind of brings us to our next question was, you know, I don't know if you talk to many people who are a little farther along in their careers, mm -hmm. but what would you say to someone who is maybe nearing retirement and that 35% is maybe a million dollars? Like these are big numbers we're talking about. Yeah, right. And that's a tougher question, which um, hopefully the, the newer physician that we just talked about should feel a lot better, right? Mm -hmm. Because the retiree who's, who, have, who has lost a lot more money does not have the commodity that they have, which is time. And so for the older physician who is nearing retirement, I think now what I would recommend is to sort of, again, seek introspection with their partner if they have one and go back to what's really important to them in their life, what really makes them happy. And if they can get their top six, let's say, or their top five, with what they have left, they're fine. It's okay, right? Understanding that is, if they leave their portfolio alone, in the coming years, I believe, their portfolio will recover. Mm -hmm. It also forces them to ask, where does work exist in my, uh, my, where I get my happiness or fulfillment? And so for me, I would like to do anesthesia even one day a month, even one day a week, very late in life. And so if they were about to retire, but they find that they enjoy work, keep working. I mean, there's there's profound data that shows working, it'll seem obvious to your listeners. If you work till 66 versus 65, the portfolio traces out a certain way, right? Obviously, if you work a year longer, it benefits. But they even went down to if you work one month longer, it mm -hmm. has it has long lasting portfolio effects. And so if you if work if you enjoy work and you can do it a little bit on your own terms maybe you keep doing it yeah and i think even for people that are nearing retirement it's important to remember that you don't need all of your money right now you right. need some of it but right. some of it can stay where it is and right. you can wait for it to recover before you're pulling that money out so you don't have as much time but you still have some time yeah. and i fear that people who haven't mentally prepared for this exact event, which anyone who's done a plan has sat with a good planner or nerds out on finance like me and you, we have already thought about this. What happens if I lose half my money? 
and we we've answered it theoretically. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to sell anything. I'm not going to panic. I'm just going to keep doing my 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 monthly buys or whatever that schedule is, and that's what we're doing. But someone who hasn't gone through this exercise of creating a plan, again, you can do it on your own if you really want to. Is panicking or or is at risk to panic, and that's where wealth destruction occurs is when you act out of fear, right? So again, it's normal to feel fear. I feel it, but you you shouldn't act on it. Yeah. I think the other thing about this particular market volatility is that it was so dramatic and it was so fast that even people who think they are mentally prepared for it are maybe caught off guard. So it, it right. became even harder to not act on those feelings. Because they were saying what is always said and rarely true, and that is this, this time is different. Right. Yeah. Now, of course, the cause is different and the speed is different. But I bet, I bet when we look back in a year or two or three from now, the, the, the trough and the recovery will be no different than anything else. Yep. And just to reiterate the whole having a plan, having a strategy in place piece, hopefully those people who are nearing or even in retirement don't have 100% of their money tied up in the stock market. You know, if they need some of that money in the next handful of years, hopefully that money is in something, uh, a much less risky vehicle that, that won't experience those big downturns. And that will further instill confidence. All right, this is my money that I need in the next handful of years. That one's, that's fine. It hasn't gone down at all. Mm -hmm. The rest mm -hmm. of it, yeah, it's gone down, but we still have plenty of time to let it hopefully rebound and recover because that's the money that's earmarked for the long term. You know, if you're 60 years old, hopefully you live a long, healthy life and you have another 30 plus years. You need to, you know, cost of living is going to double before you die. Yeah. So we need some of that money yeah. to keep on working for the long run and hopefully grow over time. Yeah, we've 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 talked about the psychological preparation for a market downturn. But but as you said, there there is actual numerical preparation also. So your cash reserve and uh, your allocations mm -hmm. should be appropriate for your time horizon or your goals. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there anything that you've done personally with your finances in response to like the COVID-19, everything that's going on? Uh, so yes and no. So um, I haven't changed anything like I like I prepared to. Again, as a, as a finance nerd, I, I think about often, what am I going to do if my portfolio drops by half? What am I going to do? I know I'm going to feel terrible, but am I going to do anything? And I reassure myself the answer is no, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to keep investing on my regular schedule. And I have done that. So I haven't stopped it. I refinanced my mortgage. Mm -hmm. uh, and I put the difference between my previous payment, my current payment into a post-tax ETF investment vehicle just to save extra cash. Uh, I looked at my emergency reserves and have coordinated that with my monthly expenses to make to see how long I can last. Because remember, we have stopped all elective surgery. So my revenue has gone to near zero now. So I'm living it just like everyone else. I've no, we are expecting no paychecks for the foreseeable future. And so uh, again, a good plan prepares for this by creating a, a cash reserve. So I've looked at that. I have, you know, at least 90 days cash to survive. Our tightened our belt a little bit, right? For non-essential spending. Um, there's nowhere to go and spend it, but... <laughs> No traveling, no spring breaks canceled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's what I've done, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm still, I'm still saving money and investing money, um, as I was before this all started. 
Yeah, I think you're right that, you know, we don't want to touch our long term allocation because obviously if your goals haven't changed, you shouldn't be changing that dramatically. But there are absolutely things that you can do in an economic downturn that makes sense, like refinancing your mortgage or your student loans or I mean, there's some weird things going on with student loans right now that make that less applicable. But yeah, there's lots of other things that you can do to put yourself in a good position as we come out of this because we will come out of this, too. Right. You're right. Rebalancing retirement accounts, tax loss yeah. harvesting, right. 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 taxable right. accounts. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. But ultimately, still within the confines of your goals and strategy mm-hmm. that hopefully mm-hmm. is already in place. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we kind of already touched on it, but preparing how do how can people prepare for market movements that are this dramatic? Well, so like like we've touched on which is what finance nerds do in their spare time and what you would do with any client is walk them through. Let's say this was, you were meeting with a client six months ago and the market was touching all time highs like it had done for the months leading up to and like it did for the next three months. Um, And they feel great. And yeah, of course I'm going to invest this and it's going to go here and they feel good. You would want to stop them and say, okay, if next month this loses half, do you understand why we're going to want to continue our basic strategy? And you need to walk them through um, the preparation about about what you're going to do during volatility, but also as important, how they're going to feel. You need to remind them, do you understand you're going to feel like the world is ending? If you turn on the news, the economy's crashing. Your friends are going to be selling everything. You're going to feel the world is imploding and you have to close your eyes and imagine it now because if you call me and ask me what to do, I'm going to say nothing absolutely nothing and you can't think that I'm frozen in fear that I'm not acting but this is a planned strategy to get you through on the other side in good shape actually right like I'm not saying you're just trying to limit damage you're trying to limit damage on the downside but you are actually targeting a strategy that will lead you to have made money in the long term that's the other amazing part of it this is not a a turtle strategy where you're hiding you're you are you are dollar cost averaging all the way down along the bottom and back up and you will be in a better place. So you can't panic. Yeah. So dollar cost averaging for those that don't know. Yeah. You put them the same amount of money into the market and over time, their share prices are going to vary quite a bit and you get to yeah. buy more shares at a lower cost when the value is down. And so over time, that's a really effective strategy. And that's what your retirement plans do because you put yeah. in the same amount of money every month. Like there's yeah. there's yeah. lots of ways that you can kind of make that happen automatically so we're not messing with it too much. If you're listening to this podcast mm-hmm. and you are uh, committing to looking up one term on the internet to learn one <laughs> thing to get your journey started, I recommend you look up dollar cost averaging and understand it. it 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 will really be a great first step google it <laughs> yeah a, a good simple explanation we'll, we'll use we'll pretend toilet paper right now you know let's say you go to the grocery store and you plan to spend you know twenty dollars every month on toilet paper and and let's say the costco bags are twenty dollars a pack make it simple well if toilet paper drops by fifty percent to $10 a bag, but you still plan on spending $20, you're going to buy two bags worth of toilet paper and, and you'll have more toilet paper for the same price that you originally planned on spending. So the yeah. same thing with your stocks. When your stocks are on discounts, um, you, you know, keep buying the same dollar amount, but it'll just increase the quantity of shares that you're purchasing. Yeah. Yeah. 
hot commodity. First toilet yeah. paper was available right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So Erin, I, I think this is not like a, a general answer, but when do you usually think it's appropriate for people to seek out like financial professionals or you know, any kind of advice beyond Googling it? Well, so if I've done my job correct, um, then the client is realizing on their own. Right. I want help with this, I want help with that, or I want help with the whole thing. Um, and so again, that's that's really um, the targeted mission of Money Nerd MD is to help the physician get there on their own. And so I can certainly tell them if they just if, if they just tell me, look, just tell me what I need to do. Um, I can do that too. But a smart physician can get there with some basic. Uh, questions and, and discussion about what may be worth their time and not. sometimes it's just a basic economics I ask them you know mm -hmm. how much can you make per hour and they tell me and they say planning is cheaper just get planning it's worth it for you to work for you to work and make X and pay less than X for planning sometimes it's that simple but most often or not it's more nuanced about them what their goals are how you know how much time they want to spend with their family, if they enjoy some of the financial management aspects, some of them just like it. So mm -hmm. it's quite nuanced. But again, if I've done my job right, they know, they're confident that for the first time in their life, they're confident that, okay, I need this. And then it's a matter of leading them into the arms of, of a trusted professional, someone who won't take advantage of them. That's their other big fear, by the way. Even if they know what they want, they're yeah. still worried about being taken advantage of. I get that. We try to be really transparent with our clients, and I think that helps. Like, literally, this is how we get paid. Yeah. So when I do this, you know I'm getting paid. And I think yeah. just people knowing that is really helpful. Right. right. Of course. Um, I looked on your website. You have very, really good transparency of your fees. And that, that of course, is one of the things that I teach them about compensation mechanisms and fee-only and fee-based and how, how advisors make their money, what the going rate is. Um, and so this is required curriculum for my clients is learning compensation mechanisms. Even though I will um, usher them into people that I trust, I want them to understand how they're being paid, what the market says they deserve to be paid, what good advice is worth. And, and so it's of utmost importance. It's probably one of the things, if, if, I, could, if I could teach a single concept to every medical resident in the country, it would be basically understanding compensation mechanisms uh, and just so that they could make a good choice. Mm -hmm. and if you're not sure, ask. You know, a good, yeah, ask, ask. honest financial advisor won't have any problem breaking right. it down for you in detail. Yeah. So, right. so that, that's, a, that's the exact right thing to do, but just they're too intimidated to even ask. And yeah. they, they know that they can ask, but they won't even understand the answer. Yeah. Well, I guess a good financial advisor should, should tell you on the front end, uh, but it's easy to forget. Like I have clients I've been working with for a decade that, you know, they don't remember our first conversation 10 years ago. So they need refreshers right. sometimes on things. Right. That's right. true. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, this has been super helpful, Aaron. I guess, you know, moneynerdmd.com. Anywhere else people can find you, social media, et cetera, or is your website the best place? The website. The website. Yep. There we go. Any last thoughts or, or before we hang up here? Uh, well, to your physician listeners, keep doing hard work. Keep yourself safe. Uh, whenever you get your head above water and you need some financial help, get in touch. Yes, thank you very much. 
We would love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in touch with the show by emailing podcast at thefinitygroup.com or by following Finity Group on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Finity Group LLC. You can follow me on Twitter at Corey Janoff CFP, Instagram at Corey Janoff, or on LinkedIn under my name, Corey Janoff. You can follow me on Twitter at Rochelle Finance or on Instagram, Vanderzanden Rochelle, or on LinkedIn under my name, Rochelle Vanderzanden. Check out all of the podcast episodes on thefinitygroup.com slash podcast on our Finity Group YouTube channel or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to check out our Financial Clarity blog at thefinitygroup.com slash blog. Thanks for listening to this episode of Financial Clarity for Doctors by Finity Group, LLC.